Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Give me welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I've got Emma. Hello. How are we? Yeah, I'm not bad, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you very much. Um, I told you, recording off air, I'm suffering terribly with my mind. Yes, you are a very brave soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Was that pathetic enough? Yeah, just about. Uh, cool, excellent. Uh, right, this week we're going to talk about your um, Europa League. Oh, not Europa League. Uh, Euro. There oh, we goes. Uh, Euro twenty twenty qualifiers. Um, uh, a bit about what happened in the England game. Uh, games with this weekend because club football is back. Yay! I do like international games, but after a, a couple of weeks, I am ready for sort of club games. Yeah, again. you know I don't like international football, so I I literally can't wait for <laughs> club football. Well, you know, if you support these pretend teams, then they're not going to play, are they? <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> it's my own fault. Exactly, exactly. You should just swallow this colonialism and you'll be world <laughs> champions. <laughs> um, right, OK, so we're going to start in Group A with Bulgaria nil, England 6. Bulgaria's heavy, heaviest uh, home qualifying defeat. Uh, Marcus Rashford and Harry Kane scored. Ross Barkley and Raheem Scurvy then scored two each. Um, but... The majority action was taking place away from the pitch, as we know. Um, so there was the racial abuse aimed towards, uh, in particular, uh, Tyra Mings, Raheem Sterling, and uh, Marcus Rashford. Um, so we had the referee stop the game first of all. Didn't we need to put the, the, the way for the three-step protocol? So there was a Tano announcement, um, and then there was temporarily taking the players off the pitch, which the England players decided against because it was the forty-first minute and close to half time. Um, so, but. They had another Tano announcement went out. Um, and the third step is and the match abandoned, which they never got as far at, but I still kept hearing monkey chants in the second half. Um, did you watch this game? Or did you see highlights of this game? Or? I didn't. I've only seen Marcus Rashford's goal and heard uh, about the racism and that kind of stuff. Has that made news in Spain? Uh, yeah, because the, it was a big deal for the Bulgarian FA because... They had an entire shake-up because of it. I yeah. think the manager quit as well, didn't he? Manager's quit today, hasn't he? And then yeah. Bobby Mihailov, who I think is a former Reading goalkeeper, who, the only thing I remember, he had a hair transplant about 25 years ago. Really? Um, yeah. A good one. Uh, it was all right, Like David yeah. Silva. Yes, it was pretty good. I mean, for its time, it was 25 years ago, so for its time, I should imagine it was it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, is this, is this the actual racism made... Uh, reporting in Spain, is it? Uh, a little bit, because it, it is a pretty big deal for international football. Mm. Um, but, but of course, Spain has our own issues with racism. So, you know, it's not talked about as much as it should be. Yes, because England played there some time ago, Madrid. And I think it was Ashley Cole got some abuse, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, so, okay, so they got to the stage two of uh, the. 
Uh, UEFA protocol. The Bulgarian manager said he didn't hear um, in his post-match press conference. Some of the Bulgarian journalists were trying to play this down as well. Um, I can't remember his first name, but Popov was pleading with the fans at half-time, wasn't he? Uh, for them to keep the noise down. And a lot of the fans left at half-time after the second announcement. Did they? Yes. Um, so they focused in a lot of fans. I mean, they're sort of what you'd imagine from big, burly, right-wing ultras dressed in Did black. Did they look like extras from Taken? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I wouldn't want to mess with them. Um, so, uh, yeah, they sort of took off at half-time and then they were sort of holding up stickers, uh, sorry, jumpers with uh, no respect written on and Nazi salutes and there were Nazi stickers on the stand outside or on the ground outside as well, so things like that. So, um it was already a sort of premeditated thing, I think. I don't think this was a sort uh, of on the hot thing. Bulgaria did get in trouble for this before, didn't they? Yes, they were playing with part of the stadium closed um, because of um, previous uh, incidents of racism. So, so why wasn't it completely closed? I don't know. I don't, I've never understood the partially closing a stadium because they're just going to stand somewhere else, surely. Yeah. I've never so understood that. They're still going to buy a ticket if they can. Yes. It's, I found it extremely bizarre. Uh, so the president of Bulgaria, I think, has come out and uh, he's said it was an embarrassing situation. Um, did you see who else has come out and said it's embarrassing and should stop? Is it Pep Guardiola? No. It is oh. a Barcelona legend, though. Ooh, a Barcelona... Uh, Hristostochkov? Yeah, because he's a Bulgarian. Yeah, exactly. One of my favourite players ever. Mine too. Is he? Yeah, I loved him. Incredible. Oh, he was. Oh god, was he was a hell of a player. I do remember in 1994 when they beat uh, Manchester United four um, nil at the New Camp, mm-hmm. and he was up front with Romario, and they spent the whole game arguing with each other, uh, <laughs> really, really violently disagreeing <laughs> with each other. When passes didn't get either, either one felt the other should pass to them and it didn't, or one passed to the other and then their shot missed, and they were sort of really sort of angrily going for each other and then when they scored it was like they were the bestest of friends they'd, they'd <laughs> hug for about two minutes and then they'd go back to this sort of arguing and then the second goal would go in and then they'd get these huge hugs to each other and everything it was one of the best things I've seen in a football pitch, football pitch at that time it was fantastic um, yes he's come out and said that uh, this is completely unacceptable um, I assume he's held in, in incredibly high regard in Bulgaria oh I would think he's a national hero Yes, I would have thought so. So hopefully his words would carry some weight. But I don't know if you're a racist or true. You're not going to listen to anybody, are you? If they didn't listen with the first warning in the partial stadium closure, they're not going to listen a second time, are they? No, no, exactly. What would you do? What, what should happen to Bulgaria? Should they have their stadium closed? Should they be kicked out of the next sort of round of World Cup qualifying? Or what would you do? I would start by closing their stadium. Okay. Uh... And if there's trouble outside the ground, then I guess you've got to look into, you know, kicking them out, I guess. Yes. And it seems a bit harsh to go, you know, to just straight kick them out if you're not going to try at least to close the stadium first. Uh, I suppose so. But then, you know, are you then not punishing the away fans? Yeah, you are, I suppose. But uh, wouldn't they rather be safe than, you know getting lynched and uh, beaten up in the streets. Yeah, getting lynched so, Because I saw there was England fans arrested and stuff, so I guess there was some violence. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. So you think sort of stayed enclosed and then ultimate sanctions? Cause, yeah, mean... but, they're on, but they're on their third strike now, aren't they, I guess? So surely if you're going to 
kind of have degrees of punishment. If you're on the third strike, then maybe you got to kick them out. Yeah, I mean, docking them points isn't the help because they're a rubbish team, so they're never in danger of <laughs> They're not going to qualify, are they? <laughs> no. So, yeah, what's the point? I mean, you can remove the Champions League place, I suppose. Did they even have one which doesn't involve three rounds of qualifying? Uh, no, but... Um... <laughs> Is it Ludogorets that's a Bulgarian club? There's, there is a club that Ludogorets. has... Yeah, I think they're in the Europa League, aren't they? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's yeah, you could take their coefficient place away from them. That might um, disrupt them as well. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. Um, and what about the English response? I, I've been a little vocal on Twitter this week about the fact that um, we have a huge amount of racial issues still in our own stadium and in our own society to uh, to contend with as well. Should we be as condemning of Bulgaria as we have been um, or are we sort of being a bit hypocritical uh, it is a bit hypocritical isn't it if you consider the abuse that Raheem Sterling gets at home from fans in the league and from his national press yeah yes I mean the same national press that was saying how well he'd done the other day are quite happy to stick the boot in when he buys an expensive house or something aren't they yeah um but the national press aren't going to change. <laughs> They've been like <laughs> they're many, not, are they? <laughs> so what was the what was the reaction like from the the pundits on the TV at the time or the commentators? Uh, I was listening to an ITV commentary, uh, and it was Clive Tilsley who was the commentator. So I didn't listen to any of the half time analysis, but he was very he was saying things like this is ingrained in Bulgarian culture and things like that. And I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute, uh, what do you know about Bulgarian culture first of all? And this is quite ingrained in our society as well. Before we start saying on national yeah. TV that it happens. You know, in these Eastern European. So he was countries. basically saying that every Bulgarian is a racist. I don't know if he was saying that, but he was saying that it, it, we've had this a lot in Eastern European countries. We had it in Croatia, we've had it in Montenegro. Um, mm-hmm. Without trying to lump a whole load of nations together, ironically, um, <laughs> I think he's sort of saying that it happens a lot in these places, and in these places, it's generally more accepted, or it's it seemed to be done more. Um, but like you say, Raheem Sterling gets this every week he plays and Kick It Out, which are an anti-racist organisation over here, um, specifically to do with football. They're reporting an increase in racist incidences in this country over the last few years. And that's only incidences that have been reported. So how many have gone unreported? We've got uh, we, we've got to be very careful about sounding sanctimonious to these countries. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, because that's, that is the big danger here, because it's not like, you know, the England... Uh, supporters and everything are, you know, saints. No. No. I mean, they go to Germany and do the one bomber Harris thing, so, you know. Yeah. Good they, taste. Yeah. They do that sort of thing. So, yes, we have to look at our, we have to berate ourselves a little bit while looking at the behaviour of others, I suppose, don't we? Um, which is something that the Bulgarian manager did say before the game. Oh, did he? Yeah, which is. You can understand ben said he didn't it. hear any of the abuse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Given his behaviour afterwards, then you know you uh, <laughs> you worry about what he said. But you know it, it wasn't an unreasonable thing to say beforehand. If you, I'm sure you've yeah, seen, yeah, I'm sure you've seen it with teams that play Barcelona in the Champions League. England fans come over and they'll sort of sit in one town square or sort of area of Barcelona and they'll sort of yeah. take it over <laughs> themselves. I'm sure you've experienced this many times. I have, yeah, very many, many times, yeah. So, Last year, in fact, but this year, in fact. Go on, then what happened this year? Uh, Liverpool fans came over to Barcelona and racially abused a Asian gentleman who was trying to sell them beer in a town square and pushed him in a fountain. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's pretty horrible. Um, yeah. 
so yes so we have to uh be careful of our own house don't we before we start yes. pushing out others so the game itself um tyra ming's made his debut what should have been a fantastic night for him uh he definitely heard it because he uh he turned around and looked at the crowd and then looked at the linesman and said can you hear that um he played particularly well in very testing circumstances um ross barkley scored his fifth and sixth england goals really yeah fifth and sixth yeah, when saying... did he sneak those in <laughs> I'm sure Frank Lampard is asking the very same question because <laughs> it's not really his club form is it he's, he's... it's really not no no he seems to be doing very well we're doing very well with a plethora of midfielders as well so there was, there was no Deli Alley there um, James Morrison was uh, at home um, he'd gone home ill although he was seen in a nightclub or a, a casino sorry <laughs> 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 did you hear about this Oh, he got better really fast, did he? <laughs> yeah. He um he was sent home because he got the flu. Uh, and, of course, you know, the England physio sent him home because you don't want that sort of thing spreading around. Um, <laughs> and he was seen watching the England game in a casino in Leicester. Um, <laughs> Brendan Rodgers defended him a bit, saying that he was watching it at home in the first half and was a bit bored by himself, so he wanted to go and watch the second half in the casino. I mean, he must live really, really close to the casino to get there <laughs> during the course of half-time. <laughs> yeah. Should you worry about him because he lives 15 minutes away from a casino? Uh, quite possibly. I mean, <laughs> young man with lots and lots of money in spare time. I'm sure that could definitely not go wrong at all. No, not at all. Uh, Raheem standing with eight goals and five assists in qualifying. Um, that's the second most time. Oh, the Russian player, I can't remember his name, Dabuz or something. Um, but yeah, second most in European qualifying. He's doing very well there. And it's the um, fourth time this calendar year that England has scored five plus goals. Oh. Watching from afar, are you impressed with this England team? Or do you look at them and think, well, they can get their defence? Or I was quite impressed with them in the World Cup yeah. uh, last year. But yeah, the, I I don't really get the England defence with the Maguire and... Did Phil Jones play? No, Tyra Mings was with him. Oh, Mings played. Yeah. See, um, Maguire uh, and... Is he really in great form club-wise, or is that just his other teammates at his club level bringing him down? I don't, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think he's okay. I think he's a, a, a defender that would do a job for you, but he's, I mean, it's obvious to say he's not Virgil van Dijk level, but, you know, he's not even Joel Matip mm-hmm. level, so... <laughs> no, that's, that's not fair. Do you not think... <laughs> to Joel. <laughs> to Joel, I was going to say, yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so he's not—he's not even anywhere close like that, is he? He's not a world beater, I wouldn't say. No. I mean, would you rather have him or Davy Louise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, considering he's—he what given away like four penalties in his first seven games <laughs> for Arsenal. Yeah, probably take my chances with the guy with the giant head. Oh, Davy Louise! Have you seen him visiting Gorillas this week? No. Oh. Right, well, he was with uh, Visit Rwanda, I think, sponsor Arsenal to some extent. Oh, yeah, they have it on their sleeves, don't they? Of yeah. course, yeah. He was out visiting gorillas out in Rwanda, and there's a lovely little film of him hanging out with a load of gorillas. That's amazing. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, Harry Maguire or Samuel and Titi? Uh, are we oh, that talking about Samuel? Yeah. Why, why are we even going there? <laughs> I'm just trying to get an equivalent sort of level for Harry Maguire. I feel like we've sort of done him a bit of a disservice. Oof. Yeah, maybe we have. I mean, he's the world's most expensive defender, isn't he? Uh, he is, but that just shows that some people got more <laughs> money than sense, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, I don't see him getting nominated in the Ballon d'Or anytime soon. You know, yeah. unlike Virgil van Dijk, for instance. Yeah, he was uh, robbed. I think, as we all agreed the other week. <laughs> <laughs> Terribly. Yeah. Uh, England need one point from their final two qualification games versus quali- uh, Kosovo and uh, Montenegro. Kosovo with a good chance of qualifying. That'd be a pretty decent story, wouldn't it? Yeah, they're uh, really. Have they qualified for a major tournament before? I don't no, expect they, they have. have. Have they? No. Yes, that'd be a great story if they finished uh, in second behind England. I mean, it gives um, it gives hope to all people that live in sort of oppressed nations that have got sort of dodgy uh, recognition internationally, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> one day, one day, it will happen. Uh, <laughs> group B. What else have we got? Oh, uh, Ukraine qualified by beating Portugal two one. Um, Ukraine played the last eighteen minutes with ten men and had five shots compared to Portugal's twenty four. <laughs> um, they finished on 19 points uh, Portugal got 11 Serbia got 10 did you see Alexander Zinchenko after this? Uh, yes he celebrated like a madman he did didn't he? did you see him in the studio as well or did you see him just with his post-match interview? no I, I just saw him in his post-match uh, yeah, interview managed, thing he, he was crazy to, yeah well he managed to make his way to the studio as well uh, where the sort of pundits <laughs> were and he sort of danced in front of the camera and high-fived the pundits <laughs> on his way out he was very happy <laughs> Uh, what else we got? Group H, um, Turkey top uh, had a goal difference against um, uh, with France in second place, Iceland the third and 15 points. France and Turkey uh, played out a 1-1 draw, um, but that only tells part of the story. Have you seen this game, the salutes? I did see that, yeah, from the Turkish team, yeah. saluting their president, I assume. Um, I think there was support, I think it was more in support of their military. Um, ah, which... well same thing isn't it these days I suppose so it is yeah I suppose it is um, <laughs> yeah so uh, I think they did this against they qualified last week as well uh, and were warned not to do it but they've gone and done it again um, and I think some wags in the French crowd were flying Kurdish flags as well <laughs> of course <laughs> uh, and Cenk Sahin uh, has been released by Sao, pa- Sao Paulo in Germany have you heard this no um, he left because in- he's a Turk well, he is a Turk who put an Instagram message uh, saying, uh, we stand on the side of our military and her heroic military and armies. Um, so they have sacked him for expressing his political views. They have, but Sam Pauli, obviously, they're sort of traditionally a very, very left-wing militant yes. uh, club. I think of all the clubs you don't do that with, it's probably Sam Pauli, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's made a mistake there. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, and Mesut Ozil has been talking about the racism he's been suffering as well. Although some, um, I, was in, I think it was in the Athletic uh, website, but someone did mention uh, that the interview didn't really mention the um, photograph he had with Erdogan. Or the fact that Erdogan was best man at his wedding. Was he? Yes, he was. Oh, no, I didn't know that, no. Yeah, I'm sure he was, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, I think that that wasn't mentioned. <laughs> It's funny that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, very strange. Um, what else have we got? Group J, uh, Liechtenstein, Neil, Italy, five. Uh, I know we don't do politics very often, but did you see Donald Trump this week doing a press conference with the Italian Prime Minister? I did. He kept calling him uh, President Mozzarella, which was interesting. Did he? Uh, yeah. And then said something about uh, how America had a special relationship with Italy going back to ancient Rome. Yes. Did you see the translator's face? Genius. 
genius levels. Yeah, honestly, I mean, there's some of the times where I think he's an absolute lunatic who shouldn't be anywhere near the nuclear button. Sometimes I think he's just a comedy genius. I'm just I'm trying to figure out which side of the line he falls. Um, so, yeah, they, they beat uh, Liechtenstein 5-0, Italy did, and are qualified. Uh, Finland beat Armenia 3-0 to remain in second place. So Italy on 24, having won all eight games, Finland are on 15. Um, in Group D, Switzerland beat Republic of Ireland 2-0. Uh, Ireland are top having played a game more than Denmark, so they're ahead of them on goal difference on 12 points each. They play each other next, and Switzerland are ready to pounce on whoever drops points there with 11 points. Um, and Group F, Romania won, Norway won, Sweden won, some team, have you heard of them? Spain won? <laughs> yeah, they drew both of their games disqualifying rounds. Oh, did they both of them, did they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So how's that gone down? People there? weren't happy. Yeah. No, I could imagine. It's, it's a crisis. It's a crisis. Based on your performance over the last ten years, or Spain's performance over the last ten years, mm-hmm. um, this is a crisis. But I also remember Spain being perennial underachievers for the first sort of thirty years of my life as well. Yeah, uh, and look how they underachieved at the World Cup as well. Yes, in two thousand fourteen, did they go out the group stage? Yes. Yes. So, um, and then 2018 were knocked out at the first knockout stage. That's right. So they lost to Russia, didn't they, on penalties? They did. Yes. So, is Spain as uh, is as bonkers as somewhere like sort of Brazil or Argentina, where any point dropped is a huge national catastrophe? Or I did see in one of the papers that they did say it was a crisis. So yeah, that's just two draws. It's not like they're not not going to qualify. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that you can't go around drawing games to Norway and Sweden, Chris. That's just outrageous. <laughs> they're not bad teams, though, Norway and Sweden. I know they're not. <laughs> they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? Uh, I mean, my sort of recollection of the Spanish team is you've probably still got sort of Xavi, Iniesta and Puyol playing for them. So, I mean, is it an old... <laughs> I'm assuming they're not, but is it an old team now or has it got lots of young players coming through? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of young guys uh, playing, um, but I think Sergio Ramos may set some kind of appearance record, I think, maybe this week. He set a record for something, and I think it's appearances. Not records. <laughs> See, that's what it could be. <laughs> maybe wanna... Most minutes in his career without a red card or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. He went like 13 minutes without committing a foul or something. <laughs> okay, so people are sort of saying this is sort of crisis time and... Yeah, but it's not, is it really, in the grand scheme of things? Uh, no, it's not, no. I mean, do you remember what it was like before 2008, before the first Euros? Was it is still just as draw two games and it's a no, total catastrophe, or was it a bit more measured? <laughs> yeah, kind of, because I think there was always expectations of, you know, because the players that Spain have were individually brilliant, but mm. could never uh, kind of manage it together as a team. Fernando Hierro, I always remember, he could pull off a smouldering, disappointed look. <laughs> yeah, do you remember those from Euro 96? Uh, no, I seem to remember it from sort of 98, 2002. I remember 96, <laughs> especially. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Poor Rafa Nadal's uncle, I remember 96. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not good times. No, no, not at all. Uh, okay, so that's the Euros. Uh, other bits and bobs of news. North Korea and South Korea drew nil-nil. Um, South Korea accused North Korea of... Uh, tactics, quote unquote, like waging war. Um, <laughs> quotes you want over there, isn't it? <laughs> they played it in an empty stadium, though, didn't they? 
They did. Um, yeah. And I think they accused the North Koreans of being a bit over-physical, didn't they? Yeah, sounds about right. I mean, what were they expecting? <laughs> exactly. It probably means a huge... You, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, it means a huge amount to North Korea to beat South Korea, mind you. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Um, the Golden Boy Awards uh, are out. I've got to confess, I never knew, heard of these before, but this is the best players under a particular age, is it? I think, is it under 23? Uh, it might. Well, shall I read you some of the names? Yes. Okay, so Jean Felix, um, mm-hmm. Afonso Davis, Gianluigi Donnarumma, Phil Foden, um, yes. yeah, Matai Guendouzi, Erling Haaland, uh, Kai Havertz, Moisey Kenny, um, ooh, out, out, we got Matthias De Ligt and Sue Fatty. Of, of course. Of course. Mason Mount, uh, Rodrigo, Jaden Sanchez, uh, <laughs> and then he said Fernando Torres, Ferran Torres. Um, Ferran Torres. Ferran Torres. Uh, Ferran. Ferran. <laughs> yeah. uh, Vinicius Junior and uh, Nicolo Zanolo I am torn between Alfonso Davis and Nicolo Zanolo uh, just like my sheer love for the pair of them I'm assuming you're going with Ansu Fati yeah but has he really done enough to earn an award yet he's only 15 <laughs> he is I mean, how many games has he played uh, how many games have we played this season has he played most of them because of injuries to other people yes he? Oh, okay. yep. so he has played a few games uh, yeah, he's come off the bench as well, so and he was injured uh, for a couple actually. So he's not he's not played all of them, but uh, yeah, he's not really done enough, has he? To... Uh, I mean, it's been an explosive debut, I guess, but like four games, five games. Andre Andre Lunin's on that list as well. I think I forgot to read him out. Ah, uh, I like Havertz. He's great. Yes, yes, he's very good. I'd probably vote for him. But... I keep looking at Jaden Sancho as well, though. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's done very well for for um for Dortmund. For Dortmund, yeah, he does. He does get mentioned a lot. Um, Vinicius Junior, I quite like him. It, when I have watched Real Madrid, he has looked their most exciting player. But is he looking exciting because they're a pretty sturdy team? Yeah, I think there's a bit of that in there. But he is, he does have these individual flashes of brilliance, like a true Brazilian. Yeah. Um, but he does have a tendency to forget the ball when he's running. Obviously. <laughs> mm, I've noticed that, yeah. Oh dear. Um, I reckon Tyson Delict is going to win this, even though I don't think he's deserved it on this season's form. Yeah, he hasn't, has he? But he captained the Ajax to the title and the Champions League semi final, so yeah. he's not doing bad, has he? He's doing okay. Um, of course, Alfonso Davis part of that Canada team that beat United States this week. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, they're in crisis too, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you see Christian Pulisic as he was substituted? No. Did he take it well? He didn't. And he, instead of being angry, he just seemed really, really upset. It's not going well for him at Chelsea either, is it? No, no. I do feel very sorry for him because he's an incredibly talented player. Yeah, me too. Um, but it's not happening for him at Chelsea because Frank Lampard didn't buy him. He was bought in January. Yeah, of course. So it's not a sort of Lampard signing. And of course, he's got his favourite like Mason Mount from Derby last season, hasn't he? Yeah, so it's going to be difficult for him to get a look in, I guess. It is. Unless um, he really impresses in training. Yeah, and of course, um, Frank Lampard's assisted by Jody Morris, who used to be an academy coach at Chelsea. So again, he knows all the younger players at Chelsea. So yeah, it is going to be difficult for him. Um, The Classico has been postponed on the 26th of October because you people can't behave yourselves. (laughs) 
We can't. Due to civil unrest in Catalonia. God, do you want to explain a bit about the background to this um, and uh, how they talked about switching the game to Madrid and? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so uh, on Monday, I think it was, um, the Spanish government decided to jail uh, several Catalan politicians for upwards of 15 years for their part in the referendum. Uh, of last year, which had all the violence attached to it. Uh, so subsequently in Catalonia, there have been riots across the region in basically every town. They shut down the El Prat uh, airport, the Sanz railway station in Barcelona. They have blocked highways. Uh, there's been protests on the streets uh, every night since then, and it's been chaos. People have been getting hurt by the police. Has this been a bad time to injure your legs in a marathon? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Would you have been out there if you had time? Because you know, I'm not getting shot at by right police. That's true. Would you been out there if you hadn't hurt yourself? Uh yeah, I think I would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would. Balaclava and petrol bomb. <laughs> Peacefully, Chris. Peacefully, of course. Peacefully, peacefully. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, so, go on. Explain. The game was going to be. Uh, the game was next week, wasn't it? At the new camp. Yeah, um, that's right. And so people were talking about switching it to Madrid, but Valverde wasn't happy with that. Neither were Madrid. Uh, they said that it would disrupt their season because it's not what they planned for. Um, Valverde wasn't happy. Valverde still wants the game played next weekend. He I mean, said today. I don't know because I'm not, I'm not there. You obviously know because you're sort of in the middle of it. Or how feasible is it to hold that game at Madrid, uh, uh, next week, do you think? Well, um, there is a huge protest uh, scheduled for that day. Okay. So I think there is an understandable concern that it's going to get violent. Um do Madrid take fans to? Are there away fans at the Classico? They do. Not many, like a handful, but they will be there. Um, and even if there isn't a big Madrid presence in the crowd, there will be political statements made in the crowd. Mm. Uh, there will be banners and chanting and everything. Um, now, I've seen two arguments to this, that, you know, it's a good thing because, you know, public safety... And, you know, it's it's not taking any chances with that kind of thing. Yeah. But also, um, there's the theory that the biggest game in Spanish and world club football may take attention away from that. And they may want, they might want to come to the football instead of protesting. Uh do you think that the Spanish government have put any pressure on this? Because the last thing they want is um, a football match to take place in the middle of all this with a load of Catalonian banners <laughs> being displayed around the world. Yeah, of course they have. But the only way that they're going to stop that is if they ask us to play this game in a closed stadium. It's yeah. it's going to happen whether they like it or not. So it doesn't matter when you play this game, there'll be those banners. and Yeah, of course. Yeah, We're going to play this game and I think it... Did they schedule it for the 14th of, se- of December or the 18th of December? Uh, sometime in December. Okay. But I I will bet you that there will be some sort of political statement made that day then as well. Do you think if but imagine came... if you had like made a special trip like as a tourist mm. or, um, to come to Barcelona to see El Clásico because it is the biggest game in world football and you spend hundreds of pounds of flights and... 
uh, hotels, and then you find out that they've cancelled it. I've got to be honest. There's going to be a lot of disappointed people out there. There would be a lot of disappointed people there, but to take part in a riot instead would still be quite good fun. <laughs> yeah, come anyway. <laughs> we need you. We need bodies on the ground. <laughs> also, how good would Sergio Ramos be in a riot? Oh, he'd be the best, wouldn't he? I can imagine him in La Rambla versus sort of 2,000 angry Catalans wearing his Madrid kit, <laughs> taking them all on. <laughs> I, I can I can picture that really clearly as well. <laughs> Sliding in for tackles against you know people were holding the flags. <laughs> yeah. He'd be fantastic. This sort of one man shield. <laughs> Don't need riot police. Need Sergio Ramos. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So do you think do you think this is the right decision then? I think it's an understandable decision. I don't know necessarily whether it is the right decision because I don't know how it's going to affect both teams because, like Madrid say, you know, they have been preparing for the match. And we have, obviously. And Valverde was very insistent that he wanted the game to be played next weekend because, mm. you know, that's his plans. Um, yeah, I, I understand it. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. I think I'd still want to play it anyway, but public safety. I can, be honest, I, can, I can understand why Madrid wouldn't want to switch it, because in my mind, there is an advantage to playing the second Classico at home if it's later on in the season, and you're both... I always think that too. Yeah, so I can understand why Madrid wouldn't want to switch it, but I, you know, I can't quite see why Barcelona wouldn't want to for that same reason. I thought they'd be quite happy to switch it. Yeah, apparently not. Apparently we... We want to do business as usual. So are you playing a different game next week or we just got a week off? Uh, we will have a week off. Which doesn't really benefit your rivals either because then you're refreshed no. for the game in two weeks' time. Yeah, as far as I know, we've got a week off. But again, the scheduling in Spain is subject to change. Mm. So <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily you know, uh, think that we might have a free weekend. But as far as I know, we do. So what about yeah. Espanyol and Girona as well? Are they going to be playing next weekend? Uh, yeah, as far as I know, Espanyol uh, put out a statement uh, on Monday, which was saying, which was kind of the opposite of the statement that Barcelona put out. Barcelona put out a statement saying that we should, uh, we stand with the the political leaders that have been jailed. Hmm. Um, but Espanyol put out a statement saying that you have to obey the rule of law. Is that the sort of thing you'd expect from Espanol as a club yeah. player, given their history? Yeah, different kind of, different kind of club. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, as far as I know, that their game this weekend will go ahead because we're away at A Bar, so they will be at home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Also in La Liga news, uh, La Liga requested December's Atletico Madrid versus Villarreal games take place in Miami. No oh, God. <laughs> You're a fan then. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> this is bad news. I think this is bad news for European football, I think, because it is. it's going to open the floodgates to playing Premier League or La Liga games in the Far East or something, isn't it? Um, yep. A 39th game or something, which is something that's been talked about in the Premier League before. These are the same people that said no to playing Barcelona versus Girona in Miami last season. Yeah. So what's changed now? Why? Why is it different? Why? Why are they eager for this to go ahead this time? I don't know. I mean, I don't, Miami confuses me a little bit as well as a location of choice. 
I know there's yeah. a huge Hispanic Cuban population there, but I think the reasons why there's no MLS team there for quite some time is that it struggled to take off the ground. Would they have been better playing it in sort of Southern Los Angeles or Southern California or something? That confuses me. Yeah. Um, I think this is a bad idea just for a regular league game. Like, Say, for instance, if they played the Supercopa, which we play at the start of every season, like the English equivalent of the Community Shield. Yeah. Uh, play that abroad. It's friendly. Why not? But uh, the, sort of thing, the other sort of counteract to that is the fact that they play, play NFL games in London and they're a roaring success. Yeah, they played them there last weekend, didn't they? That's at right, At the yeah. Spurs Stadium. Yes, there's a couple every year and they're a huge success because there's a huge market for it here and people love it. Um, and you Do you know think that's that... a huge market? I think so, yeah. For uh, I th- La Liga or even Premier League to be played in other countries? I think there is. Um, I think if you took a Premier League game to Japan, China, um, or the United States, I think that you would... I think you would probably sell out. I think if you took a, two Spanish-speaking teams to play in Western United States, in Los Angeles or San Diego or somewhere, um, I think they would probably sell out as well. Uh, it would make the league a lot of money. Oh, yes. Uh, and would probably then have a knock-on effect of them getting better deals for the television rights overseas because they could charge more for it. Yeah. Um, but what's it going to do to scheduling for those teams? Are they going to have to have like a week off when they before they go or when they come back? Are, are they going to miss games? Because it's a lot of traveling to get in get over jet lag, play the game, get back, then mm. play another game, right? So you'd, Yeah, you'd have to do it when there's no Champions League. So you play on your game on a Saturday in Spain, you then fly to the States, climatise for a few days, play on the Saturday and then sort of leave Saturday night or Sunday morning or something, wouldn't you? And then you got, you got a week then at Yeah, home. it just seems like a lot of unnecessary travelling because one of the reasons for what, what has been given for our uh, poor start to the season is because... A couple of weeks before the season started, we played two friendly games in Miami mm. after our preseason tour in America had finished. So we'd flown home, done some training, flew back to the States, to Miami, to play these two friendlies against Napoli, and then flew back to Spain to train and play our first game of the season. You haven't told Greta Thunberg this, have you? <laughs> yeah. Our carbon footprint is terrible. <laughs> You're going by coach to this week's game, aren't you? Yes, because we can't get to the airport. You must be having sort of volcano flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, it's very <laughs> Milan 2000, what was it, 2010? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. Oh, it, it is a slippery slope, isn't it? You sort of, it's like bit by bit they're going to sort of encroach. Yeah, where, um, where will it end? Yes, exactly. So you sort of say yes to this little thing and then you, you'll be playing two games a season so you'll be playing one game in America one game in the Far East and you know it's it's not going to end well is it no it's really not no uh, right what else have we got speaking of fans being treated fantastically uh, Liverpool Spirit of Shankly uh, group or a fan group um, I'm not happy with the decision to show Leicester City versus Liverpool at 8pm on Boxing Day night 26th of December Uh they say that this game by the time this game finishes public transport back to um Liverpool and even for Leicester fans to get home would have finished uh, because of the sort of Christmas season. Um, Liverpool are laying on coaches for a cost of five pounds with the money raised going to food bank charities. But 
do the fans have a point with this or if you're happy to take the TV money uh, and buy and you know that TV mm-hmm. money funds players like Mo Salah and Sadio Mane coming to your club you've got to put up with this yeah. as well double-edged sword isn't it yeah um, I hear that a lot as a complaint though from uh, England is that the public transport system doesn't take into account a lot of times the finishes for sporting events no uh, we used to have these things in this country called foot specials so you literally just jump on a train and the train leaves I mean I was on one once that went from Leicester to Nottingham so you jumped on the train at Leicester and you got off the train 40 minutes later in Nottingham and then the police walk you down to the ground and then vice versa on the way back as well um and I'd like to thank the Nottingham Forest fans for the wonderful walk back from the stadium to the, <laughs> to the station that I had. <laughs> that was fun. Um, so, yes, you would have this. I don't think you'd get those as much anymore. Um, I'm happy to be corrected otherwise if, if they are there. But uh, it's hard because it's a family time of year. But, you know, these are, Amazon is showing sort of nine or ten games that day. And Amazon bought the rights to particular games. So if you take the Amazon money, you're going to have to put it with this as well aren't you yeah exactly um yeah it it's not very convenient for fans i don't think they think about these things enough but you could just stay home and watch it on amazon yeah so (laughs) but you know they're going to take the money so they're going to have to see if they can think of a system or, you know, put some more of these football special trains and buses on for fans. Yeah. Free of charge. Which they won't do. Which they won't do, <laughs> no. Uh, what got? Oh, Edward Wood has claimed that um, non-footballing people taking charge of footballing decisions at Manchester United are, quote-unquote, a myth and an insult. Um, <laughs> play recruitment is made by the recruitment department and the first team manager. Do you believe him? Oh, no. I don't either. <laughs> 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 that that's that's yeah no not a, not a chance I believe that no I don't uh, okay so what have we got in leagues around Europe so you're away to uh, Ibar where is Ibar Ibar uh, it's in the Basque country okay so is that an easy place to get to on a coach uh, it's about six hours I think on a coach mm. yeah well I think that's how long the trip's going to take okay. as a whole yeah. I'm guessing there's coaches and there's Barcelona team coaches, which are probably... I heard that we were going to... Well, they've laid on some sort of private jet from an airfield to take them part of the way, and they were going to stop over in some town in the Basque Country and then train and then go to the match by a coach. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, Greta Thunberg must be (laughs) pleased with that. We're going to have to plant some trees just to make up for it. That's a lot of trees you've got to plant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How do you think you're going to get on? I think it's going to be tough. Uh, Ibar are a fantastic little team. Um, they will press us remorsefully. Um, they will, yeah, they will suffocate us. Yeah. Uh, it's a really tough ground to go to. So I would not be surprised if they come away with a victory. Uh, okay. Um, so top of the, the league at the moment. So Real Madrid on 18 points, you're on 16 points, Atletico Madrid 15 and Granada on 14. So, Atletico Madrid playing uh, Valencia and then uh, Real Madrid are away to Mallorca. I've written this down as the Rafa Nadal derby, am I right? Yeah, yeah, he lives in uh, on the island of Mallorca and he's also a Real Madrid fan. So. That's right. Yep, you're How right. Does that happen? Are there a lot of Real Madrid fans in Mallorca? Is that a... 
I don't know, considering that his uncle is uh, La Bestia de Barcelona. So how did this happen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how is this a thing? How has he done that? How has he betrayed us? Betrayed your very soul. <laughs> Can you still cheer him on at uh, tennis? Of course, because he's not Novak Djokovic. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, in Italy, um, I was going to make some sort of Dr. Fuentes joke, but just in case this thing, I went. Um, <laughs> in Italy, Juventus uh, uh, top on 19 points, then Inter 18, Atalanta 16, Napoli 13. So uh, Lazio at home to Atalanta, Napoli are at home to Verona, um, Sassuolo at home to Inter, and Juventus are at home to Bologna. Um, in Germany, Gladbach are top on 16 points, then Wolfsburg on 15, Bayern Munich and uh, Freiburg both on 14 points each so Augsburg are playing Bayern Munich Red Bull Leipzig are playing Wolfsburg that'd be a pretty decent game wouldn't it but I think game of the weekend is Dortmund who was somehow down in 8th place um, versus Borussia Mönchengladbach top of the league that's going to be a good game isn't it that's going to be great yeah when's that uh, I don't know some point <laughs> this weekend <laughs> <laughs> I will look out for it yeah, you should. Well, um, I mean, Bayern Munich are third on 14 points. Dortmund are eighth on 14 points. So that gives you an idea about how it is Wow, at that's the crazy. Yeah. Uh, in France, uh, PSG are currently 2-0 up away at Nice. Uh, Neymarless as well. Oh, he's injured again, is he? Yeah, he's injured. Uh, must be his sister's birthday or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so PSG are top on 21 points currently, probably soon to got 24. Then you've got Nantes on 19 and Angers on 16. So Angers at home to Brest and uh, Nantes are away at Metz. In the A-League, Emma, it is Central Coast Mariners <laughs> are at home to Newcastle Jets. That is a local derby there. Is it? It is. Of course it is. <laughs> of course, how stupid of me. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Do you get the A-League in Australia? Uh, uh, I mean, I don't, but... <laughs> Somebody must do. <laughs> uh, right, should we talk about the Premier League? Yes. Best league in the world, they say. Not quite. Mm-hmm. Liga <laughs> Nosh. <Ligue> Bundesliga. <laughs> I'm obviously going to bat for my league, aren't I? Of course you are. I don't blame because it's the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) It is, yeah. Uh, Okay, so Manchester United versus Liverpool in the Paul Ince derby. Um, Are you aware of Danny Mills? I am aware of Danny Mills, yes. Okay, uh, so you don't need me to mansplain to you who he is. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) Uh, He's now, uh, he was a a total arsehole of a footballer, he's now a total arsehole of a pundit. Um, Although this week he was asked to pick his combined Manchester United-Liverpool team. Did you see who he picked? Did he pick the entirety of the Liverpool team? He did. Because <laughs> <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Uh, I was thinking about this. Um, I mean, literally, there's the Jean Matip, um, uh, Jean Matip or Harry Maguire conversation. Because presumably they'd have a Virgil Van Dijk, wouldn't you? Mm, yeah, well, yeah, you would. Uh, Liverpool midfielder Henderson, Wijnaldum, Milner or Keiter or something like that. Fabinho, sorry. Mm-hmm. Hendo or well, I suppose at the moment Hendo or Pogba you'd have Henderson wouldn't you I mean Henderson's actually fit so yeah yeah <laughs> well current form <laughs> I mean you know if Pogba yeah, was fit of course. you'd have them all on current form you would wouldn't you yeah yeah exactly yeah, and I don't you. like saying nice things about Liverpool but yeah you absolutely would have them oh well. come on they must be your English team <laughs> no for not do you have an English team no 
Not really. Yeah? There's no. not one you look out for more than the others? Uh, I do look out for Arsenal because I have a lot of friends who are Arsenal fans. And I do look out for Everton because we sold a lot of our plays <laughs> to them. <laughs> so well. it's like Bash to be. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Pogba and David De Gea are out. Um, oh, I hate this fixture with an absolute passion because you can guarantee that as badly as Manchester United have been playing this season, this is the one game that they're going to be up for, especially as the fact that it's at Old Trafford. Um, oh. oh. You know how you held my hand the other week when Liverpool had that penalty at Leicester? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to need you to do this again on Sunday afternoon. Okay, I'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, Manchester United at home versus Liverpool have won three and drawn two of the last five. It feels like a draw, doesn't it? I think it's going to be a draw or a loss. I, don't, I can't just can't see Liverpool winning this game. Did they win the last season? Uh, this no, this fixture no. Um, it was one three and drawn two Manchester United in the last five. Ah, uh, so mm. I think it was a horrible turgid nil nil from what Sounds I can right. <laughs> Yes, uh, Liverpool certainly beat um, Manchester United at Anfield because that was the game before Jose got sacked. Oh, yeah. We wish him well. Do we? No. Well. (laughs) On a scale of one to ten. Minus three. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, I can't make a case for Manchester United winning, but I just know they will, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, if they do win, it's going to be by the luckiest deflection. Yes. Or own goal or VAR decision, isn't it? It's not going to be, you know, because they've played amazing. It's going to be Liverpool having peppered Sergio Romero's <laughs> box, and Sergio Romero is going to have the game of most outstanding proportions. Uh, and then, um, and then they'll score in like the 80th minute and defend. So I'm just watching because the Granada manager's just got a yellow card. I can't see why. Sorry. Um, oh, I haven't got it on. I'm actually not paying attention for a change. Are you not? Yeah. <laughs> You're disappointing me. Have my undivided attention. Wow. Uh, yes, it's just going to be one of those games that Manchester United ruined, but somehow win. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't it be sad if this is the reason why Liverpool didn't win the league? Oh. How do I mute you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so what else have we got? Crystal Palace versus Manchester City on Saturday night in the Andy Morrison derby. Um before we go to this game I was listening to a podcast this week uh, just a couple of minutes on this um, they were talking about what would you rather have a great defence great midfield or great attack uh, and they started talking about Pep Guardiola of course is great with his midfields but mm-hmm. they were talking about can Pep Guardiola organise a defence and as it's been, this has been his sort of downfall for his whole career mm, that's interesting what do you reckon uh, well, I guess if you look at his current Manchester City defence, he's not doing too great there, is he? No, it's Merrick Laporte and that's it really at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's held together with uh, string and hope, Yes, I, I think, more than anything else. Uh, uh, he, but it, with Barcelona, he had good defenders, didn't he? He had Boyal and Pique for the majority of it. So He did, but then he did, con- you know, rather than buying another defender, he converted Mascarano, a midfielder, into a defender, didn't he? So... He did, which was a genius move, it turns out. It was. Uh, but was that by mistake? Because I think it was by necessity. It? Yes, so it's not something yeah. he identified in Mascarano and it was just something that I, out Yeah, I don't think that was the grand plan for him, no. No. So do you think this is a thing, is it? He just he struggles with his defences? 
There's enough evidence to suggest that's true, isn't there? Yes, the more I think, the more I think about I what mean, this lady said, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... he He's definitely of the mind to outscore the opponents rather than defend for a clean sheet, yes. isn't he? How good was Valdez with his feet? Really good, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So... I would trust him to play up front if I can. <laughs> really? <laughs> really, yeah. Fair enough. And you'd think the same for Edison, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I think that's his thing, isn't it? While playing goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, back to this game. A Crystal Palace win takes actually above Manchester City. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and remember, City lost to uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, didn't they, last time? Right? They had that 2 0 loss with the Dharma Traore marauding through the midfield. <laughs> they did, yeah. Um, but City have won 9 out of 10 in the Premier League in London, so they obviously like going down south. They lost to Crystal Palace last season, though, didn't they? But that was at City of Manchester Stadium rather than at Sohurst Park? That's right. I can't remember how they got on at Sohurst Park. Um, no, I, mean, I assume that they won. Yes, I think Palace have only scored something like eight goals in their eight games they've played so far, but they're just so frugal at the back that uh, you just can't get past them. Yeah, I'm, you can you can see a case for, for Palace getting something out of it. Definitely, I can see a draw in this, definitely. Yeah, same. Uh, okay, so Sheffield United versus Arsenal Monday night. I did write David Luiz Gorillas, but we've talked about that. <laughs> uh, Alexander Lacazette could be back for Arsenal um, Arsenal never won at Sheffield United in the Premier League there's the whole sort of shtick about Arsenal being terrible at going to horrible gritty northern teams on uh-huh. sort of rainy wind soaked <laughs> or wind swept evenings and this has got that result written all over it yeah um, and Arsenal are not very tough defensively are they no uh, again, string and hope. <laughs> well, Sheffield United are unbeaten on a Monday since 2012. They've won six and drawn six. That's not bad, is it? Yeah, so they're the opposite the Boomtown Rats. But um, <laughs> that's one for the teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Aubameyang has scored 80% of Arsenal's goals away from home this season. So he scored four out of their five goals. So they're going to be relying on him, aren't they? They always do. They, yeah, they do. That's the problem, isn't it? So if his yeah. string goes, then... Yeah, then they're in a whole world of hurt. Yeah, no, exactly. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I feel like it might be a sneaky 1-0 Sheffield United win here. Yeah? Yeah. So you have to ring the Sheffield London. United are a good team, aren't they? They're not, you know, it's not just long ball No. kicking it upfield like, you know, people expect from them. No, they're very much a passing team, and I think their manager is very underrated as well. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I think they're definitely the type of team that Arsenal would struggle against and no doubt the conditions that Arsenal will struggle <laughs> in. So yeah, I can definitely see a Sheffield United win. Yeah, I was thinking 2-1, but yes, I can, I can definitely see a, a one goal in it win. So yeah, um, yeah definitely. Empton versus West Ham is the Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Uh, Seamus Coleman is suspended. Uh, and Everton's last win on a Saturday lunchtime was in September 2015 against Chelsea. And West Ham are unbeaten in six away games. 2015? <laughs> yes. I don't know how many they played in that time. But <laughs> they don't do very well. Um, Everton aren't very good, are they, at the moment? No, there's lots of talk about, could this be the last game for Marco Silva? I doubt it, because presumably you would have sacked him before the international break. It would make more sense to sack him before the international break, unless they wanted to give him one last chance to turn it around, I guess. Uh, There's an international break in November. There is, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Is Marco Silva a good manager? I don't really know. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, weren't we? We couldn't quite figure yeah. it out. He, I mean, he did well with Olympiacos, which you would sort of expect. Mm-hmm. I thought he did well for Hull um, because he nearly kept them up and didn't quite. Watford was a bit meh. And so you just don't know. But there's that statistic where he's never, ever come from behind and won a game. So, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, so his team, if they can't defend, then they're stuck. And Everton really backed him, didn't they, in the transfer market? They gave him good players to work with. Yeah, I mean, Alex Moby is a, a decent planter, I think, some of the other players that they bought as well. Um, but help me. Uh, uh, Kenny. Yes. They bought, uh, who else did they get? Uh, they signed uh, Andre Gomez from Barcelona on a permanent deal. Yeah, I mean, they sold Idris Gay, who was a big part of yes, midfield. they did. But, yeah. Mm, They've not got a lot going on in the goal-scoring department, do they? No, they've got Bernard, haven't they? Um, yeah, and Richarlison. Richarlison, and it's been a long time since the cocky left, and they've not really replaced him, have they? Yeah, there's, there's not a lot going on up there for goals. No. Richarlison, I get the feeling, is quite a streaky player. He'll score you like mm. seven and eight games, and then he won't score for another 15 or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can see West Ham winning this. Yeah, me too. Is Pellegrini an underrated manager, do you think? Yeah, he didn't really get a lot of respect at Manchester City, did he? When he won them the he won them the league, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And I don't remember how well he did at Real Madrid. He the they came second when he got a hundred and something points or something. That's right. Yeah, they got their record points total and finished second because we got a hundred and one points <laughs> or something. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, and then he yeah. did very well at Malaga on not much money. Didn't he? Mm, he did. Yeah, and he was a great manager for Villarreal. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, he probably is an underrated manager. He looks like a man who's always in need of a haircut. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> he always, yeah, he just looks like he's about to nip out for a cigarette. Yes, he does. Yeah, he's got very sort of leathery skin, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's got that look about him, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bournemouth versus Norwich. Norwich have lost their last three. Bournemouth have got seven points in four games. Uh, Norwich have conceded twice in their last six Premier League games. Um, Bournemouth at home. I'm going to go for a, a Bournemouth win on this one. Yeah, me too. Although it does sound a bit last on match of the day. Oh, you're last on match of the day with this one, are you? Mm, could be, Ooh, yeah. Let me have a little look what I've got. Uh, no. Providing there's not a Friday night game, there isn't, this there? No, that's next weekend. So there's yeah. not. I am going... I've got another one for last on match of the day. I bet it's Burnley. Uh, is it Burnley? No, it's not. No. Oh! No. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next one is Villa versus... <laughs> Brighton last time Aston Villa beat Nor- uh, Norwich 5-1 um, and then Brighton beat Spurs 3 and of course when Hugo Lloris fell over uh, <laughs> Brighton have never won at Villa Park in any competition in their history and Wesley's got four <laughs> goals and one assist so far this season so it's vital that they do well with him wow that's some statistic isn't it which one the Brighton one or the Wesley one the the Brighton one Yes, I seem to remember the the season that Brighton got promoted. They needed to win at Villa Park to clinch the championship, and they never did it. And there was a look of huge disappointment on their players' faces. It was like sort of hunched knees and laying on the floor <laughs> as if they'd just been relegated or something. So maybe they get flashbacks to that or something like that, and might sort of hold something over them. Um, yeah, maybe. Wesley's with his four goals. Douglas Louise has got a couple as well, hasn't he? I'm going to go for Villa in this one. Yeah, me too. I think I think Villa are. are quietly competent side aren't they yes yeah and if Grealish plays well then yeah they'll probably win he, he played well against Norwich didn't he before the international break so yeah exactly uh, Chelsea versus Newcastle um, 
Chelsea versus Newcastle. Chelsea at home uh, against Newcastle have won their last six, scoring 17 and letting in three. Uh, although Chelsea can't seem to keep a clean sheet, can they? <laughs> yeah, not their specialty. No. Uh, Tammy, Tammy Abraham has got eight goals in his first eight Premier League games of this season. Uh, that's the most for an Englishman since Wayne Rooney in 2011-12. So he's on a bit of a streak. Um, can you see Newcastle frustrating them or is this going to be Chelsea? Oh, no, not really. I, I, I think Newcastle fought really hard to get away against Manchester United last time out. Yeah. But I think home advantage helped a lot in that. And the fact that Manchester United are a terrible team. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't see Newcastle getting anything out of this. I, I think I think Chelsea would be too good for them. Uh, yes, I think so too. Uh, Leicester versus Burnley in the Jerry Good Johnson derby. Uh, Leicester looking for a uh, fifth win in seven Premier League games. Um, and they're unbeaten at home in the Premier League against Burnley. Has James Madison recovered from his man flu? <laughs> I think he has. Miraculously, yeah. It's like a maybe I should sort of take what he's had a sort of dose. yeah. Just take yourself off to a casino for the rest of the evening. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Jamie Vardy's got ten goals in his last ten Premier League appearances, uh, and Leicester under Brendan Rodgers have got uh, thirty-one points, which is the fourth most of the Premier League. So um, they're going to well. win, aren't they? I think they're going to win. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Spurs versus Watford. Spurs lost two out of their last three, but they've got the fourth best Premier League home record this season. Uh, Christian Eriksen's a doubt. Watford still with zero wins this season. Um, the new manager bounce under Chike Sanchez, Sanchez Flores has not happened, has it? Yeah, that definitely didn't materialise, did it? But Spurs, you know, what's their confidence like? I did, you know, I wonder about this. <sighs> Would two weeks of an international break maybe be the sort of tonic that they're looking for in that they've not got the sort of grimness of the Premier League and they've gone <laughs> away a couple of weeks, had a break from the Premier League and each other possibly. And uh, Yeah, and Kane did well for his country, didn't he? So yeah. got himself some confidence back, I guess. Yeah, uh, Christian Eriksen uh, injured, so he got to sort of spend some time at home with his wife rather than the other people <laughs> I'm sure Jan Vichangon was busy on international duty exactly so yeah you know um, maybe Spurs needed a two week break just to get away from each other and sort of uh, now regroup this week and, uh, and, and if you want to play anybody after international break it's a team that's not won this season is it <laughs> yeah it, definitely, it really is um, yeah I, I just I just don't know what to make of Spurs right now they're a mystery aren't they yeah they are. I mean, I can see them winning this game fairly comfortably. I can see a two or three 0 win for them. Yeah, me too. But I also would not be surprised if it was a draw. No, because exactly. Spurs. <laughs> yeah, Spurs lads. It's Spurs. <laughs> uh, and finally, last time match of the day: Wolves versus Southampton. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Southampton lost their last three. Wolves caused beat Manchester City last time out. Uh, I'm going to go for a Wolves win but it won't be easy or interesting. It definitely won't be interesting, that's for sure. No. Uh, feels like a draw. Do you think a draw? Turgid 1-1, one, one. yeah. I'd be happy for a draw if Patrick Catroni got to school. Fantasy team reasons. Uh, now I just really, really like Patrick Catroni. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You know when you sort of have players you keep your eye on throughout their career because they just got 
You just like them, and you can't think yeah. of any particular reason why. Christian Teller is another one, um, mm-hmm. and you know Patrick Catroni is added to my list of those players. I just remember how desperately sad he looked when he was leaving Milan. He was, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. It was like a child being sent off to boarding school or something. For yeah. <laughs> You don't look happy about this at all. <laughs> no. Um, okay, right. So uh, that's the end of our Premier League roundup. Um, any other business for you? Uh, no, none that I can think of. No. Okay. Uh, we are at Man of the Post on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook. Uh, we are downloadable from Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Acast, or uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, you can review us uh, if you're on uh, Apple or any other formats as well. Um, if you like what you hear, you can give us a bit of feedback as well. We're always after a bit of feedback for what people think to us. Uh, there should be a podcast this Sunday with Chris and Dave talking about uh, the games that we've been previewing. Um, and hopefully get to hear that sort of later on next week. So, Emma, thank you ever so much. You're welcome. And always remember to keep your man on the page. <laughs>